Praise God. I'm glad you guys were able to tune in. If you like FCC, click like and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook. And I want to challenge you to uh, send this to somebody. Also, this is fertile ground here. Consider planting a seed. Visit us at uh, our Facebook page, FCC. God bless. I want to, I'm excited about this message. I'm really excited. And the reason why is I'm going to share two secrets to victory. And, and I know it sounds crazy, and I know that, you know, it's like, okay, you can call it victory, you can call it breakthrough, call it whatever you want. And, and it's all from Scripture, and I will show you the Scripture this morning. And here's the thing. The simple truth is that the Bible sometimes brings us stuff that we overlook as we read the Scripture. Some people will read a book, and when they come back and they read again, like, I don't remember that in there. I don't, I don't recall that story being like that. The Bible brings simple truths that sometimes slip right by us. There's methods, there's patterns, and there's principles. See, a lot of us want the blessings of God in our life, amen? But we don't want to live by the principles that are laid out in Scripture. See, we want God's blessing, we want His healing, we want the finances, but we don't want to live with holiness and righteousness and love, grace and peace. See, we want one, but we don't want to do the principles. If we want a paycheck, we, want, we don't want to put in the hours. Huh? We want the clean house, but we don't want to be the ones to do it. Oh, we want some great praise and worship music, but we, we don't want to go to practice or learn the songs or play the instruments. See, you want to be a wise steward of God. Great. Coming into this building is part of it, but you got to read this word. More than read it, we got to apply it. No sense of reading the instructions when you're assembling something and then you just throw it out and be like, well, I don't feel like... I want to put this bolt in where the directions say I should. See, the directions give us a pattern, a method, and principles to live by. You want victory in your life. I want victory in my life. There is things that are going on in these scriptures that tells us. See, we want the testimony without the test. The mountaintop experience without going through the valley. We want the victory without the battle. I was doing some research, and I was looking this up, and I was looking at soldiers before, during, and after a battle. It changes them for life. It changes them. The, the during the battle, man, they look mean. They look tough. There's something in their eyes. And you look at the before, they're just kind of like, yeah, I'm here to serve. And then the, the after, they're changed. There's a different look in their face. So you can come out of the victory but be all beat up. Back when in my youth, when I used to box, and when my son boxed, and, 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 and we were in the ring, and you're, you're duking it out, I, it was no fun to brag about the easy win. No one likes beating up a punk. I mean, that's, you know, it might be a little fun, but it's not, that's not the battle you brag to your friends about. You brag about, you brag about that battle that went all, all the rounds, and that was tough. And at one point, you thought you were going to quit. And you got, see, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. So I'm here to tell you, sometimes life is going to punch you in the face. Your school, your job, your partner, maybe your even spouse is going to do something emotionally, hopefully not physically, but they're going to do something to jar you, to knock you out, to, to get you off your pace, your pattern, or your plan. And, and it's gut check time. What are you going to do? 
you can, you're going to curl up in a ball and cry? That, that's, that is an option. Or are you going to wipe the tears, get up, be like, okay, one more time. Let's do this. One more time, one more time, one more time, one more time. Whatever it takes to get the victory. Whatever it takes to get the breakthrough. Whatever it takes. One more chapter. I'm tired. I don't want to read my verse. I want to read the Bible. One, one more chapter. One more verse. One more time. You see, it's baby steps. You don't, you don't get to be like the Apostle Paul or Peter or John or any of these guys with one great act. It's the many little things of service, many little acts of love, many little things. Throughout these passages, throughout these scriptures, there's going to be two main points. You'll hear them. I'll tell you about them. There's, there's not going to be really profound, but there's two main points I want you to listen for. And if you take notes, you can, you can write these down when they come. And I'll tell you. But at this point, at this time, as is our privilege, I, let's one more time stand for the reading of God's word. It's a short verse, and it's in 1 John 5, 5. Just with a reverent heart, just appeal to God. Heavenly Father, I pray that you be with us. Open our minds and hearts to these scriptures. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Thank you, Lord, for this scripture. Be with us all as we study and absorb. Let your presence fill this place. We ask and pray in Jesus' mighty name. You may be seated. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the ones who believe in Jesus, the Son of God. Now, we've got to define, what is overcoming the world? Is this success by, by human standards? Because I read every day of a celebrity, an actor, or an athlete who meets with tragedy, who overdosed, who, who their life is so desperate, they've tried everything. They have all the money, they have all the fame and all the fortune, but they're still depressed. They're still lonely. They're still lost. See, it's not in those things, although we all have wanted those things at a time in our life. We wanted that fame or that fortune. But here's the thing. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And until you get that filled with Jesus, that stuff is just going to go to waste. It will actually ruin you as a person. It will get you to be off balance. Because here's, I'm going to share a secret with you. Money and anointing. For those of you holy rollers out there. Money and anointing is only going to multiply who you already are. Here's, here's a secret. It's not one of the main two, but I'm going to share. I'm going to share. This is a good one. You want the anointing and power of God. You, you want to be used mightily of him. You first have got to be a vessel that he can entrust with that anointing. Because if you don't have your act cleaned up, anointing brings more zeal and more authority and more power. So that's like giving a weak-minded, egotistical person a bunch of authority. How many of you have ever met, came across somebody with a lot of power, but they're a jerk? I met one at crossing the Canadian border. It wasn't fun. Egotistical. They brought me back, interview. are you coming here? I was going there to work, but they didn't want... Americans, they're working, but I wasn't taking a job. I was an advisor. The company sent me. 
the company in Canada is calling. Hey, where are you at? I was like, I'm at your barter. You got to talk to them. And I was dealing with someone who was just trying to show that they had power and authority. Great. You're the boss. You win. Okay. Get off my back. But see, that's why scripture says, don't put a new believer into a position of authority. That power, that anointing is going to get in their head. It's going to mess them up. They're going, well, you know, I'm the boss. Well, you know what? In the kingdom of God, the last shall be first, and the first will be last. You, Jesus was a servant of all. He, the king of glory, the one who sits at the right hand of the heavenly father, he washed his disciples' feet. That's a, that's a servant's role. That's lowly. And, and if you remember, them disciples were some ragtag, stinky fishermen. They were, they were you know, out in, in the Middle East, it's very dusty. It's very dirty. They didn't have modern-day deodorants and shampoos and showers and everything else and foot powders. But our Lord, our Savior, got down and washed every single one of their feet. Not only that, he charged us, you and I, to do the same. Churches don't like to talk about that anymore. Oh, I'm not touching anybody's feet. I'm not, I'm not going to. Jesus did it. And he said, we should do it as well. Here's the interesting thing, and I touched on this a little bit. We all need a victory in our life. I don't care where you're at, what position or station in life you are, we all need a victory, either in your marriage, your family, your finances, your education, your relationships. Perhaps there's an addiction or perversion or there's some abuse or loneliness, self-esteem or identity issues. There is something that each and every one of us need a victory in our life. We need Jesus. Rich or poor, educated or not educated, we all have struggles. If we're all honest, we need a victory. Now let me show you how we get that. I'm going to talk a little bit about David. If you don't know who David is, David is best known for killing a giant by the name of Goliath. We, we hear about David, he was a little shepherd boy who was overlooked, passed up by his own family. How many can relate? You don't got to raise your hand, but sometimes you're like, well, my sister, my dad, my parents like my sister better than me, or my brother better than me, or so-and-so better than me. Sometimes you feel passed up at work or at school, or maybe even at church. Maybe you even sit here today, and you're like, why hasn't Pastor called on me to do something? I don't know. We'll, we'll look at that. But what we know is God had a plan. God had a purpose for him. And no matter who passed him up, he still rose to the top. No matter what happened, he still got his position. So we're talking about this David, and it, it's interesting. David grew up. He wasn't no longer the shepherd board. He had a resume. He had killed some giants. He had won many battles. He is a hardened warrior, and now he's crowned king. And this enters in this story right here. And it is in First uh, Chronicles 14, 8. And uh, I only have uh, 9 and uh, 10 up there, but I'm going to read the rest. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it, and he went out to meet them. Now the Philistines had come and raided in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of God. I'm going to stop right there. It's an interesting note. They, they, they raided in the valley of Raphaim. Raphaim means giants. They raided in the valley of giants. We know those giants because he had killed Goliath who was a giant, and, and Goliath had four brothers. 
And the Philistines, the giants were mixed in with the Philistines. So when you, when you hear the phrase, they came in full force, not only their battle, not only their best equipment, but they also had Goliath's four other brothers with them. There was four other giants coming up against him. Now these giants were big. The Philistines had advanced weaponry. And David had already killed some, had already battled them, but what did he do first? He inquired of the Lord. That's point number one. When you're coming up against your battle, when you're coming up against your struggle, or that mountain that's resting against you, that financial burden, that student loan, that, that next meal sometimes, and you don't know how you're going to do it, don't start hustling and looking everywhere else. And I get calls all the time. I was talking to a gentleman last night, and, I, and God bless his heart. And I was like, he wanted some assistance. He, he wanted some help. And I, so I started talking to him. I was like, well, what are you doing to help yourself? Well, I called this, ter- this place, this place, this place. And all I heard was all the places he called and went to. I didn't hear nothing about interviews or applications. I didn't hear anything about, I'm going to break somebody's yard. Or I didn't hear, hey, do you got a job for me? I didn't hear, I'm going to work. And the Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. It says a man who doesn't provide for his own family is worse than an infidel. You see, Scripture, by that, God's not a socialist. You don't work, you don't eat. Now, we can help. Give a man a fish, eat for a day. You teach him how to fish, he'll eat forever. So here we are. David's first action is he went and inquired of the Lord, even though he knew how to fight. He knew the battle strategies of the Philistines. He was the best general who ever lived. But he first went and prayed with God. And God told him, he says, he goes to God, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord answered him, go, I will hand them over to you. Go, I will hand them over to you. Sometimes when we pray, we are just desperate. Lord, please help me, please help me. Send a check in the mail, send somebody to do this, send someone to do that. I've been there. I'm not mocking anyone. What I encourage you is, once you think God has heard you, and he's an intelligent God. Matter of fact, he knows your need before you even ask him, but we have not because we ask not, so we ask anyway. He knows my need, but I'm going to ask. But I'm not just going to continue to babble. Scripture even says that. Don't pray like the pagans pray, babbling on and on and on and on and on. God's an intelligent guy. You, I wouldn't just keep coming up to Sister Francis. Hey, hey, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? Hey, can you help me? Can you help me? Hey, can you help me? I have a need. Can you help me? Can you? She'd be like, hey, Slow down, Jack. What is it that you need? Oh, I need some help with my bill, my tires. I need some peace. I need someone to pray for me. Okay, why don't you just ask that, say that? But then I got to stop and allow her to respond. See, God is a God of relationship. He's not a Santa Claus, just granting wishes. He's not a genie that you just rub the Bible a certain way and he's going to dispense some, some blessings. That's, that's not how it works. He's a God of relationship. And, and with relationship, I, I expect conversation. How are you doing? And then I'm going to wait for your response. Well, I'm doing all right, Pastor. It's a little tough. All right. It's a little tough. How can I pray for you? And then I'm going to stop. Well, things are a little tough at home. You can pray for my, my family, my household. Okay. Now I know how to pray. So there, there's this 
dialogue that goes back and forth. God wants that dialogue with you and I. See, Jesus, or excuse me, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up? And then he stopped. He asked his question, and he waited for a response. And the Lord said, go, I'll give them to you. We got to wait for the response. Sometimes we forget to wait. We're so excited. We're so anxious. We just, it's like that little kid. Hey, pick me up, pick me up, pick me up, pick me up. Wait a minute. Daddy's talking. Mommy's talking. We got to teach them. Sometimes God's teaching us to wait, but he will respond. The question is, will you wait for his response? That's where the discipline comes in. That's where God doesn't say it, but it's a secret. We've got to wait for his response. How bad do you want it? Are you an ADD Christian that you just can ask your questions and you're going to run around nervous and excited? Well, God's not an author of fear, worry, or anxiety. We've got to just settle. We've got to learn to settle in. Be still and know that I am God. Scripture tells he who dwells in the, in the presence of the Most High. Dwelling is you're staying there. You're hanging out for a minute. So David prayed this prayer, and he went out. And most of the time when we, when we come against a big problem, we, we start calling our connections, calling our people. Hey, I need you to do this. Hey, I need you to do that. And, and I'm not saying that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. But how about we pray first? Maybe God has something else. But if you pray and you wait and you hear from him, he might tell you to do that thing you thought of. But how about we confirm it with him? How about we pray? I know that sounds crazy. Does that sound too crazy? No. That we pray to God and then wait for a response? Or do we think he's just some deity up there that doesn't care about us and we just live by fate? He's a God who cares. You want to know how I know that? He sent his one and only son to earth to teach us and to die for us. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he cares. He knows your issue, but he wants to talk to you about it. Mm. I'm going to move on. I think, I think, you know. Even God's anointed had to deal with things. Here's, a, here's an interesting thing. As Christians, we're going to encounter problems. doesn't mean that we're better than anyone else. We're just forgiven. We acknowledge who Jesus is and what he did for us on Calvary. As Christians, doesn't mean that we're not going to have problems or challenges. Doesn't mean we're not going to have hiccups or trip-ups. It doesn't mean that we're not going to meet with temptations that sometime are going to get the best of us. It doesn't mean that we, we don't have issues or, or, or things that we're trying to get past or get over. David had his own problems, his own challenges. If he too can seek the Lord, so can we. I'm reminded of so many times that David went before the Lord. And you know what it says of David, even though at times in his life he was a murderer and an adulterer? Say, ouch. It's not good. Murdered an innocent man to cover up a lie about his adultery. But he was quick to repent when he was confronted. And he sought the Lord's face. Sometimes we do things we're not proud of, but get back on track. Repent. Repent means you change your mind. Uh, you change your mind means I'm not going to do it anymore. You can't be like, Lord, forgive me for doing that thing, and I'm going to do it again Friday. 
It doesn't work that way. Lord, forgive me. I'm not going to do that anymore, and I'm going to do what's pleasing to you and, and help me. And, and, and we pray to God, and he gives us that strength to do that. And in and, and Hebrews and Deuteronomy, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for I, the Lord your God, will never leave you nor forsake you. You're not alone, although sometimes it may feel that way. You're not alone. Some of, someone needs to hear that this morning. You are not alone. Jesus is waiting with open arms for you to come over and sit next to him and talk to him. He wants to wrap you in his loving arms and have a conversation with you, but the problem is you want to just stay at a, a far. But he's not a Burger King God. You can't have it your way. You got to draw close. So we read again in, in Scripture, Once more the Philistines raided the valley, so David inquired of God again, and God answered him, Do not go straight up, but circle around them, attack them in the front of the, of the uh, excuse me, what is that? Balsam trees. As soon as you hear sound of marching in the tops of the balsam tree, move out to battle because that will be the mean that because that will mean that God has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistines. So David did as God commanded. That's part number two. And he struck them down, the Philistine army, all the way back to Gibeon and Gezer. So David's fame spread throughout the land. And the Lord made all the nations fear him. So David had one victory, but they came again. You might have success in your life as a Christian, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to have another battle around the corner. It says they came again, and what did he do? He didn't go out and do what he did last time. Here's a secret. in between. We've got to read between the lines. Last time Jesus said, go, I'll deliver them to you. He could have said, well... The same group came, I'm going to go do the same thing. No. He went and inquired the Lord. The Lord said, no, nope, this time I want you to do something different. I want you to go around back. I want you to wait by these trees. And when you hear marching in the top of the trees, then you go out. We don't understand how God works. What do you mean there's going to be marching in the top of the trees? So I don't understand that. That would confuse me. I'd probably be like, Lord, what is that? Imagine David going out to his soldiers. Okay, here's the plan, guys. We're not going out the same way we did before. We're going to go around back, and we're going to wait for marching in the top of the trees. Soldiers are going to be like, say what? We're going to do what? That doesn't sound like a... And the ones who have been with him before are going to be like, yes, good, good, good plan. King David, good plan. We're going to wait for the marching in the top of the trees, and then we're going to go get them. It didn't matter to them, because why? David had a track record, and so did God, and so they were obedient. God might tell you to do something, to get your victory, that doesn't make sense. But do you have relationship enough to trust him? That'd be like you coming to me saying, hey, pastor, I'm having a financial need. And I say, all right, I want you to take this shovel and I want you to go out back and take 10 paces from that tree and start digging. Doesn't make sense. But how do you know I didn't just tell you where I got a stash buried? How do you know? Your job is just do what I told you to do. If you want my help. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? You just need to do, if God's telling you to do something, you don't know how he's going to get it to you. You just got to obey. 
And sometimes it doesn't make sense. But he did it. And what the sound that they heard was the army of the Lord, who doesn't need to walk on ground, marching out and driving the enemy before them. We see that over and over in Scripture, but that's a lesson for another day. So the Lord delivered them to them. So the first point is pray. Second one is obey. Not debate, not challenge God. You pray, you listen. When he tells you instruction, then you obey it. You do what he said. And sometimes it's challenging and sometimes it doesn't make sense. But if you want that breakthrough, you want that victory, you want that mountaintop experience, we've got to do what it is that God told us to do. Pray and obey. And so this is what... (laughs) You guys remember those old bracelets, WWJD? Or am I just aging myself? Yeah. What would Jesus do? Well, let me tell you, in Luke 5, 16, it says, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus, David, and so many others in scriptures set the example for us. Go and pray. Not just give God all your problems. That's part of it. But it's communication. He wants to commune with you. If we prayed more, we would worry less. Without that worry, it would take away the anxiety. And anxiety brings fear, doubt, and worry. And maybe our relationships would be a little better. Maybe our, our friendships would go a little bit smoother. Maybe things, we'd be a nicer person if we weren't so stressed out and worried and anxious and fearful. Uh, I, maybe I'd be a little bit more pleasing of a personality if I prayed a little bit more often. Is that something we can all do? Let us pray more and worry less. If I can have the uh, praise team come up and play one last worship song for us. And as they do, and pray, play that uh, worship music, this is what I want to challenge you to do. If there's a need in your life, I want you to come and and lay it at his feet. Pray. We're just going to take a moment. We're not going to tarry long because you can go do this at home also. But start to, once you speak the need, here's the key, here's the key. Once you speak the need to him, just meditate on who he is and listen. Listen. There's going to be another, I'll I'll have another sermon another day about, you know, discerning making sure you're hearing the right thing. If whatever God tells you, it should line up with Scripture. Okay? That's the, that's the abbreviated version. If you, if you go marching off saying, well, God told me to do this, and he told you to rob a bank, no, that didn't line up with Scripture. It says, thou shalt not steal. Right? You don't do that. So it's got to line up with Scripture. But the altars are open. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's begin to worship him. Because when you worship him, his presence comes. And come... Those of you have a need and that are willing. Now, here's the thing. We're not praying for each other. We're not hugging. We're not laying hands on anyone. You come, find a spot, a piece of carpet that you call yours. Give your need to the Lord and then listen.
receive and I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Today's uh, message was on the secrets to victory. We are looking and examining uh, the life of David. He had many challenges in his life and uh, he met with victory because of two main reasons. He prayed and he obeyed. Whatever you're going through today, I want to challenge you to seek God's face Make time to listen, and whatever he's sharing with you, obey, and that will be sure to lead you to victory. I want you to live a victorious life, and me as well. Thank you, and God bless. Mm -hmm.